From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. Uh, Uncle Funky Larry Jones will be joining us shortly. I have on the phone line, though, to talk, and we're talking about money. So, uh, but money in a good way to help restore some things and actually help restore uh, a historical preservation right here uh, in Houston. He is the trust's African-American Cultural Heritage Action Fund Executive Director. Brent Legs is on the Public Affairs Podcast. How you doing, my guy? Hey, man. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Man, thanks for coming on. Um, the largest preservation fund in American history to save African-American landmarks. Um, this was announced a three a $3 million uh, grant. Uh, this year. So um, that's amazing. Tell us about, uh, well, first, for those who may not know, just uh, tell us briefly about the African American Cultural Heritage Action Fund. Yeah, the Action Fund was created in 2017. We launched initially as a $25 million campaign to reconstruct a true national identity that reflects America's true diversity. I'm proud to lead this effort on behalf of the National Trust. In essence, we preserve cultural landscapes and historic buildings that show the richness of African-American life, history, and architecture. And since launching in 2017, thanks to our partners like the Ford, Mellon, JPB Foundation, and a, an individual gift from Mackenzie Scott and Dan Jewett, we've been able to raise more than $50 million dollars support nearly 200 black landmarks and their preservation efforts. And we were delighted to make a public announcement on July 15th that we invested $3 million in 40 African American historic places nationwide. Wow. That's amazing. And so you said, uh, Mackenzie Scott, who is the ex-wife of Amazon founder, uh, Jeff Bezos, um, she donated, this large amount of money along with who else? And her husband, Dan Jewett. Yeah, so they they invested $20 million in the action fund. And in many ways, I think their gift is, it's not only transformational for the fund, but it affirms that our work matters. It affirms that our work to elevate the significance of black culture in American history matters. And that the preservation of historic landmarks is a kind of equity and a form of racial justice. So we're thrilled to have this investment and to be able to direct it back in black communities. Mm, nice. Uh, did they say what their motivation was for donating such a large amount for the preservations of these sites in America? Well, I our conversations out of respect is, is confidential, but from my perspective, I feel it's critically important to acknowledge that The nation may be rich in diverse history, but it has often been poor in representation of that history and in funding its protection, conservation, and recognition. I believe that Mackenzie Scott and Dan Jewett, they share this belief and value that our nation has undervalued and underfunded the preservation of the Black experience in America and that it's time for us to catch up. And so we're glad to have partners like them that believe in the value of this work. Well, that's amazing. Well, good for them for finally um, seeing the light. We, 
as melanin dominant beings in this country um, have been wondering that for quite some time. So I guess better late than never, <laughs> I guess. Um, so how would these funds be um, distributed? Yeah, so we are still developing a short and long-term investment strategy for the $20 million plus the other uh, uh, investment dollars that we have the good fortune to steward. And we'll be revealing our 2.0, Action Fund 2.0 strategic plan sometime this fall. So more to come on that. I think what's exciting about the grant announcement is since inviting proposals in December 2017, We've received a remarkable 2,300 grant proposals requesting nearly $250 million to preserve African-American sites across the United States. And in many ways, the response on this scale speaks to the need for significant investment in preserving this impressive collection of places and stories. So it's exciting that the Action Fund is resourced and that we can uplift and celebrate centuries of black struggle and achievement that is fundamental to understanding our nation. Yeah. Um, what are some of the um, historical sites, uh, some of the fun grantees? Uh, can you give us a few? Yeah. So we've been fortunate to invest in 105 preservation projects and, and sites starting the, the 105 at this point, $7.3 million invested growing. So this round, our fourth grant round, we've got some really amazing places, some, some known and some yet to be known. Mm -hmm. And they include the home of Marion Anderson in Philadelphia. It includes the national Negro opera company founded by the legendary Mary Cardwell Dawson, which still stands in, in Pittsburgh. There's Roberts Temple in Chicago, which is that catalytic moment in the American Civil Rights Movement where Emmett Till's mother, Mamie Till Mobley, standing in her self-determination agency and character would have an, have an open casket funeral to show the world what white nationalists and murderers did to her son in Mississippi. Mm. And so we invested $150,000 to help the church restore that historic and sacred space. But in Texas, we invested in three amazing projects. Mm. And they include Houston Freedman's Town Conservancy. This is a really special place. Oh, yeah. It tells the story of formerly enslaved African-Americans that would move to Houston and create a freedman's town. And so this organization has one executive director, one full-time staff. And so we provided $140,000 so that they could hire their second staffer in a position called manager of learning and engagement to help them advance their mission uh, of this really important and special story in place. Man, we were other... had you a few years ago because there was a whole thing uh, with Freedman's Town and them removing uh, the original bricks. And so that was, um, you know, um, 
a battle. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, but like I said, better late than never. But, man, this would have been on time So because they were trying to get rid of those original bricks. But go ahead about the other side in Texas. I'm sorry to cut you off there. Uh, no, thank you for, for providing that context. So the other is an HBCU, a historically black college and university. It's Houston Tillotson University. And we are investing $75,000 to help the school to preserve, restore their historic wood windows on the old administration building, which is their oldest building on campus. And it's, you know, it's always an honor to support the preservation of HBCUs and during this grant round, uh, Tillerson and then also Hampton University were the two HBCUs out of the, the top 40. And then the other project, the third project is funding $50,000 to the descendants of Olivewood. And Olivewood is a historic African-American cemetery that has been subject to flooding and erosion that has resulted in the destruction of a number of burial plots. Mm. It really is this issue, an environmental justice issue. And so our $50,000 investment will support the descendants in developing a master drainage plan to mitigate further damage to that sacred cultural landscape. That's amazing. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We're talking to Brent Legs, the executive director of the Action Fund. Um, A lot of money coming our way right here um, in Houston. Uh, This is the largest preservation fund in American history to save uh, African-American landmarks. And um, our very own Freedmanstown is going to benefit from that. Houston Tillerson University there in Austin um, will also um, get some of that money too. So Brent, how did you get involved um, with the Action Fund? You know, I started working for the National Trust in 2005, have dedicated my entire career to helping communities preserve Black history and, and culture. So it's been a, a passion of mine that I've been working towards for more than a, a decade. And when the tragic events happened in Charlottesville, it was an opportunity for the National Trust for Historic Preservation to demonstrate that preservation can have a positive impact on society. It can be used to confront the miseducation of Americans. And thus the Action Fund was, was born. And I have the good fortune of working with an amazing national community of thought leaders like Darren Walker, who is the president of the Ford Foundation, Kathy Hughes, an amazing entrepreneur. Um, she, um, uh, You are on her radio station brands right now <laughs> so, yeah, so i want to give her a shout out hey kathy and and brian stevenson sherlyn eiffel and uh actress and di- director miss felicia rashad so this community is working to create new forms of interpretation partnership and community but most importantly our work is to center blackness at the core of our democracy mm. To center blackness at the core of our democracy, I like that. Um, out of all of the um, all of these uh, cultural heritage uh, heritage action fund grantees, is there a particular one that is uh, close to your heart, or um, that is just um, very interesting that you take a sort of a, have an affinity for? Yeah, there's a place called Hotel Metropolitan. 
It is in my hometown of Paducah, Kentucky. It's a site associated to the Green Book. But what's beautiful is in the early 20th century, two black women purchased this two-story historic wooden house. They would operate a, a, you know, a bed and breakfast, would eventually be listed in the Green Book, and they would host the who's who of black arts and entertainment inside of this historic space in a rural community in Kentucky. I love these stories that are overlooked and lesser known. And, and for me, it's the places like the Hotel Metropolitan or the opportunity to uplift the full contribution of black women in American history, in American business, in entrepreneurship. So I love uh, the places that most, most of our society doesn't know about. Yeah. Yeah. We like that. So, um, so what's next? What, um, what should people be looking forward to next? Is the rollout, uh, currently, um, happening? Do we, um, is it later on in the year? Like for everyone that is listening, like when, when can we, I don't know, see that, you know, the money has been granted. Yeah. So, Building on our $3 million investment in the 40 preservation projects uh, this month, we will be inviting proposals in September to, from HBCUs mm-hmm. who will be applying for planning grants either to support campus-wide preservation plan or to conduct a preservation plan for an individual building of significance on their campus. So. All HBCUs, if they are listening, check out savingplaces.org, our website. Look for our HBCU Cultural Heritage Stewardship Initiative and submit your proposal in September, and we will be making the announcement of the second round of HBCU grants in February. Okay, nice, nice. Brent, um, what else should the people know about the Trust African American Cultural Heritage Action Fund? I I just want to leave this message with the listeners. You know, I I believe deeply that by preserving the beauty, uniqueness, complexity, and significance of historic African-American sites, that our nation, that we can craft a more accurate American narrative and identity, that we can stimulate revitalization and foster interest in places that today seem to exist without history or meaning that African-American cultural sites, they anchor us and expand our sense of pride and agency, join our movement, help to reveal the history that surrounds you and your community. Check us out at savingplaces.org or Google African-American Cultural Heritage Action Fund to learn more. Indeed, Brent Legs, the executive director of the Trust African American Cultural Heritage Action Fund. Thank you so much for your time and this incredible uh, information uh, to look forward to for right here in Houston and Freedmantown and um, our HBCUs. Excellent. Good to talk to you. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening to the podcast, we will be back right after this. 
From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. Uncle Funky Larry Jones will be joining us shortly. But on the phone line, I have with me the CEO and founder of the E.L. Kingsley Foundation, Dr. Edna L. Kingsley. How are you doing this Sunday morning? I am doing well. Just well. How are you? I am wonderful. We were trying to, I was trying to get you on uh, last week because last night, you know, you had the fun day in the park and the movie night. Um, but when they told me like, oh, we're already booked up, we're booked up, I was like, well, it doesn't matter. We still need to get her on because uh, the E.L. Kingsley Foundation, um, people need to know about it. So can you tell us about the E.L. Kingsley Foundation? How did you start this? Yes. So the E.L. Kingsley Foundation started in the year of 2014. And I was sitting in my bedroom and God said that uh, you need to start a foundation. And I was like, what? And said, I need to start a foundation because I am a high school dropout. I did not complete high school. I stopped in the, I would say the 10th and 11th grade. I got my, um, I went to college. I went to Illinois State and I did get a track scholarship, however, Illinois State University in in Bloomington, Normal, Illinois, invested in me. Mm. And I'm so grateful to them because they really kind of took me off the street and um, gave me a safe haven, if mm. you will, by giving me a track scholarship. And so I was given the task of starting the E.L. Kingsley Foundation. Started it in 2014. And the mission of the E.L. Kingsley Foundation is to provide services to the economically disadvantaged and underrepresented groups of people. Mm-hmm. And that encompasses serving the whole entire family, like most foundations, they focus on, say, youth or homelessness or, um, you know, a particular group of people, whereas we serve the whole entire family, including the ex-offender population. Mm. And so we want to serve everyone in Houston that needs assistance. Nice. And that in, uh, that assistance includes? And so that assistance includes uh, liter- literacy, enhance- enhancing literacy. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. And which will include the self-esteem building, job search- searching skills, workforce, marketing, mentoring, employment. Um, assistance. It is. It is um, includes the ex-offender populations, which we will connect with local churches, churches, social services agencies, educational institutions. It also includes um, the DDESL population. It includes mentoring, 
youth. And when we say mentoring youth, we want to look at not just mentoring the youth that have, say, the A in A A grade in school, making the A game. Mm-hmm. But we want to mentor mentor the students that are going into the uh, the schools that will. But this that's their last stop um, because that will lead them into the prison population. Mm-hmm. We want to mentor those students that if they go into say this called stores or um, a, a program that will uh, lead them to the to the prison population. Um, we want to give them an opportunity to be mentored because if they connect with a brother or a sister and they are mentored, nine times out of ten, they're going to turn their lives around. Mm-hmm. They just need someone else uh, to mentor them, yeah. you know, to help help them out, to uh, give them uh, uh, opportunity to uh, talk with them to help them make the grade, give them at the school tutorials, uh, to <clears throat> you know, to 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 boost their self esteem. Yeah, you know, something in the foundation that we uh, when we get to brick and mortar, we're going to have uh, a beauty shop, and believe it or not, that helps build their self-esteem. Wow. You know, in the, in the mentoring piece, we have emotional control, critical thinking skills, problem solving, motivational, motivation, which improves self-esteem, self-awareness, behavior. <clears throat> we have the drug, alcohol, abuse, gang balance component. We want to teach them out about effective communication skills and leadership. Be a leader, not a follower. Mm-hmm. Goal setting, career development, and retention. We want to teach them about emotional control. And then we want to bring the family in because that family interpersonal relationship and the financial responsibility is very important. So that's that holistic approach model that we incorporate in the mentoring uh, co- component of mentoring the the youth that have that problem that the schools want to put them out of school but keep them in their programs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, truly it leads this to them to the prison system. You know, oh, we also mm-hmm. yeah we also had the STEM program uh, that we're trying to fund, which is really STEM: science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. A real strong program component that I found when I worked at Houston Community College that we really would love to fund. Mm-hmm. And when I did that program, 
I had a lot of students, and it's a, it was a free program, a lot of students that did not want to attend. But when they got involved in that program, KG Smooth, they loved it. And they found their niche. They was like, wow, this is really interesting. And so we need to continue to fund that program mm -hmm. and invite students to participate in that STEAM program. Yeah. That's a powerful program. A lot of our mature adults will be retiring from those fields. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. we need to make sure that our youth are prepared. Right, to pick up where they left off. Absolutely. Yeah, that's Absolutely. amazing. It's amazing. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We're talking to Dr. Edna L. Kingsley, founder of the E.L. Kingsley Foundation. Um, Dr. Kingsley, you were telling your story uh, at the beginning of the conversation, uh, how you dropped out of school uh, in the 10th grade and then ended up in some mess. Like, where, where did you grow up? Like, let me find out you was a kind of a rebel here. So I grew up in on the south side of Chicago, and... It was a wonderful experience. And Chicago is not a bad place, like the media right. portrays it to be. To be. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is a beautiful, beautiful city. And then I moved to California and had a had a challenging time in. Long Beach, California, and my parents kind of moved around and went back to Chicago and had a challenging time there, went to Greenville, Mississippi, loved little Greenville, Mississippi, and that's when I became ill in Greenville, Mississippi, went back to Long Beach and was in the hospital in Long Beach for about a month oh my. and was told at that time that I was, was, was not going to be able to really go back to school or even run track again. I play basketball. I run track. I play softball. I'm just an all-around all athlete. And by the grace of God, I... Uh, did get better. I had a congestive heart failure and a kidney failure. And so that really kind of led to me not completing, completing school. Mm. And so I was just really determined to go back to school. And I was sitting on the doorstep and said, I'm going to attend Illinois State. Had no idea what Illinois State was looked like or even didn't even look like know what a college looked like like what does college look like what do you do in college but i just knew in my mind that i was going to attend college and i want to tell everybody that's listening that have a dream that you desire to go to college, that you desire to be a business owner, that you desire to propel to the next level, keep moving forward. Keep believing in yourself and do it. 
And so I was able to move back to Chicago because I was living in in some apartments and I had to move because they demolished the apartments and turned it into the World Trade Center. And so they gave us money to move. Hmm. And so I went back to Chicago and an unfortunate situation happened there where, and I want to tell you, KG, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. that I was living somewhere and was put out. But when I was in, and I'm be, I'm, I'm going to be very transparent with you. I, I appreciate because it because somebody needs to hear this. Yeah, because this is fascinating. Because someone may be going through something right now. Yep. Because my story gets bigger, it gets deeper. When I was in Chicago, when I left Long Beach and I went to Chicago, I was there only a couple of days. But before I left Long Beach, this lady named Gwen gave me her brother's number. And she said, call my brother. If you need anything, call my brother. And I was looking at his number and I was like, why do I need to call him? I'm going, I'm going, so I thought, with my parents, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to need to call him. At any rate, I got to Chicago a couple of days. It was cold October. Coming from California in October, it's freezing. Mm-hmm. The, the hawk is eating you, eating to you in your bones. I got there. And a couple of days later, I was told to get my things, call my people, call my contact, mm-hmm. and leave. What? Never knew this person, never knew this guy that Gwen had given me her brother's number. I said, and if it's safe for me to say his name, I said, Frank. Your sister Gwen gave me your phone number. I need you to come pick me up. He came and picked me up mm. without a problem, without any hesitation. This man could have been in, in Chicago. He could have been anybody. He could have prostituted me out in the streets. He came and picked me up. And I went to his home, slept on his sofa. And then the next morning, his wife came out the room and she said, so what are you going to do? And I was like, oh, I guess I'll go back to California. And she said, well, you don't have to do do anything. You can stay here as long as you need to. Wow. And from that point, they became my adopted parents. Wow. And that's why my home is open to people that need because they opened their homes home to me yeah. and didn't even know me Yeah. did not know me mm. and that's why we have to help people regardless of who they are what they look like who they may be you know as long as they are and that's why I started my foundation to help and that's why I need help building a building in Illinois State open up their doors. I'm going to tell you, they open up their doors because they allow me to go to Illinois State. I applied, I called the track coach sitting on the, their sofa 
and said, I desire to go to Illinois State. I looked up that number. This is during the time when they had 411, and you called, and they answered the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Information. They, yes, you got the information. <laughs> they answered the phone, and then this also was during the time when someone answered the phone, and then they transferred you to the person you're asking for, which the track coach did answer her phone. And then I talked to the track coach. Now, Oprah was on the TV at that time, and she really encouraged me to get up and do what you are aspiring to do. And I was watching her TV program because she had just started her TV program. And I was like, okay, I'm determined. And Oprah inspired me. And so I talked to the track coach, and I was like, hey, I'm a, I'm not a high school graduate. I'm, I, I'm, I don't have my GED, but I'm, I'm ready to go to college. And Coach Morton brought me down to Illinois State to look at the track team. To she invested in me. She brought me down, and then she told me how to go to admissions to look the guy, Mr. Adams, directly in his eye to give him a firm handshake. You know, and she was very adamant, and she continued to track me. She, you know, she said, go take your GED exam, you know, take your writing exam. And she told me the steps that I needed to do. And then I went to California. And then the next thing I knew, I was getting a call. Uh, someone was looking for me. It's like, hey, this lady is looking for you, saying you have two weeks to come back to so, so you can attend Illinois State. Do you know Illinois State accepted me without even having an ACT or SAT? exam score on foul i mean it was just phenomenal i was like wow and then i got on with this track scholarship to attend illinois state it wasn't very much because i was able to get all types of financial aid and i went on to go to college and i was like this is amazing because i found Illinois State to be a safe haven for me. Mm. I had my own dorm. They set me up. They got my classes and, you know, they did everything for me. You know, it was amazing. Wow. That is amazing. And they just, yes, they just did a story on me. The coaches, the new coaches now, alumni makes a hashtag Redbird Impact in Houston. They just wrote that story on me. Wow. Yes. And and my story is just a little deeper than that. And I just thank God. I mean, it was him that just continues to impact my life only so that I could impact other lives. My success is not for me. And I say that often. Mm-hmm. It's for others. I had to get my doctorate not not because I want to be this big person. I had to get it so I could catch up with my education because I only had a 10th grade education. I tell it, I tell it to people all the time. Wow. You are amazing. What a story. And these people that are, were lined up in your life to um, help you, it's just, uh, it, it, it was divine. It was divine. Um, man, thank you so much, Dr. Edna L. Kingsley, founder of the E.L. Kingsley Foundation. Where can people get more information 
on uh, your foundation and, and all of the services that you offer? Where can they go? So they can go to Foundation one at gmail.com. And also, I just want to mention that uh, Mr. Kendra Gibson has uh, come to the foundation to start a scholarship fund. Oh, nice. Okay. Yes. Unfortunately, his mom passed away and his cousin passed away. And so he contacted me and discussed, uh, you know, what had happened. And so he uh, indicated that he wanted to start the scholarship fund uh, in honor of his mom and his cousin, Catherine J. Bell and Rochelle Walters. And so um, I'm honored to have that under the foundation, and uh, we would love to continue to offer that scholarship. And, and that scholarship will be for single parents. And, and I just say single parents, also dads, because dads are often left out when it comes to single parents. All the time. It will also be for GED, ESL recipients, and for the ex-offender population. I think that's very, very important. Because if we don't help that population, they're going to continue to go in and out of prison. So we want to help that population as well. Indeed. And and, and, so, and you're yes. doing it. <laughs> Yes, you're yes, doing it. Yes. You're doing it. That is our time. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Dr. Edna L. Kingsley, founder of the E.L. Kingsley Foundation. Uh, thank you for your time and sharing your amazing story. Thank you. And on behalf. Appreciate you. Uh, no problem. You are so more than welcome. On behalf of Uncle Funky Larry Jones, I'm KG Smooth. Thank you for listening to the podcast and we will see you next week.